Last time on Improv Tabletop, our train's former heroes, Freespin, Scorchguard, and Dagger decided they were going to start heading out across the debris dunes to find their way to the launching pad so they could get on the rocket in time to make it to Earth. As they were traveling along, they found a strange, hollow-sounding part of Cybertron, and upon trying to open up a hatch, they alerted two Decepticons to their presence, Steelskin and Dragon, who had been raiding the area and grabbing all of the good resources and bringing them back down to their bunker. After a big old fight in which they defeated the two Decepticons, but during which Freespin, unfortunately, was nearly completely decimated, they decided to go down into the bunker, see if there was anything they could do to try and fix Freespin, and Scorchguard managed to find an ice auger that had a heavenly light and an angelic choir indicating that it was the one that he should bring out. So they hooked up the ice auger and Freespin to a car battery and transferred Freespin's mind from the harmonica into the auger. Surprisingly, there was another mind already inside of the auger, but Freespin didn't have enough time to think before, boom, the two minds melded inside, and Freespin, unbeknownst to his companions, is now half Decepticon. What's going to happen as they approach closer to that rocket, now that they have a mole in their midst? Let's find out here in the world of Transformer Rejects. What's shaking, everybody? You're listening to Improv Tabletop, the Fate RPG actual play where we make up everything on the spot. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and today I'm joined by... Christian Randall, always the mole. Thomas, looking for Chromequake. Evan Peterson, Texas is flippin' hot, yo. <laughs> is Chrome Cake a deep lore cut that I'm unaware of? No, I just went back to the name generator, oh. and that's the first thing I saw. Chrome Quake, <laughs> like an earthquake, but just Chrome Quake. And I said, oh, that's an amazing name. It's really good. This generator is gold. <laughs> yeah, everybody, I would like to announce that we have our first sponsor. It is Chrome Cake. <laughs> the only snack food that breaks your teeth when you try and bite into it. The only snack the Autobots approve of. Well, I do actually know what Transformers like to eat, apparently. They like to eat Energon. I did some research, actually. <laughs> I went onto the wiki, and I figured out what the difference is between the AllSpark Cube and the Energon Cube. So the Energon Cube is like a buffet. Uh, it's like a Capri Sun that they stick inside of their body, and then it gives them energy. Perfectly natural. It's like a battery? Yeah, that's a, that's a better analogy. <laughs> so it's a battery. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Back in the 80s, they couldn't conceive of such things portable power it was a capri sun hey you got to market towards youth and i always wanted a capri sun whenever i saw one of those commercials so i still want a capri sun respect the pouch i've consumed more capri suns in my adult years than i have in my entire childhood (laughs) that's a great thing about being an adult you just buy whatever you didn't get as a child first thing i did after i graduated college was i bought myself a nintendo switch because i'm an adult now there you go Well, let's see what our heroes are up to. No fancy segue this time. Just right into the story. Here we go. Okay. And just like the Nintendo Switch switches from handheld to home console, Uh, let's see what our Transformers are up to. Hey. (laughs) Nintendo Switch, this generation's Transformer. So, you guys are approaching 
the launching pad where the rocket is located, you see that there's not a whole ton of activity. It seems that most of the people who are going to be on the rocket are already inside. There's just a couple little bots here and there doing final preparations, disconnecting fuel lines, making sure that everything is in working order, that kind of stuff. Um, with my newly discovered body, I'm going to take my little legs. As we decided, the handles would be my legs, so I'm going to... I forgot that the handles were your legs. So I've got my, my massive auger drill up in the air and like my little legs just running up towards the... I'm, I'm not trying to be stealthy or anything. I'm just... I deserve to be on this rocket. Okay, so you just go running right up towards it. Uh, man, I was going to ask you for a sneaky check to try and not get seen, but you just said that you're not going to try and be stealthy. So, uh, I guess roll a quick check to see if you can make it before you're noticed. What does he think he's doing, Scorchguard? <laughs> Plus two. All right. I'm going to go ahead and roll for the nearest bot to see if they notice you. And that is a flat zero. Look at that. <gasps> I am little, but I am fast. I don't know, Dagger, but obviously it's working. <laughs> So, yeah, you go up to the uh, most hidden area of the rocket. You just kind of, by happenstance, end up in this location where nobody else can see you. And you start boring your way in through the outside hull. Look at that, Dagger. He's already getting a way into the rocket for us. That that was supposed to be my thing. Never mind. It's great that he's doing this. <laughs> and I dejectedly hang my blade towards the ground. Oh, come on, friends. Let's go. We are waiting for you. Do you feel like he's acting funny since he became an auger? No more funny than he normally was. I mean, he did always have to check in with his mother. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> and I run after. All right. So you all rush forward, and because you're transformers and you're able to manipulate your shapes and sizes, you're all able to squeeze your way in through this, what, like six-inch wide hole or so. <laughs> you make it to the interior of the rocket. But before I get in there, I have to, like, feed in each one of my uh, fan blades because they're just too long. So I have to, like, <laughs> take them off, feed them through the hole, and then I can slowly transform through. Indeed. And when you get to the other side, it's a very cavernous sort of interior that you found yourself in, almost a cargo space of sorts. And you hear just a little kind of humming, a little whistling. Apparently there is one other bot in here who's taking stock of all of the cargo and stuff here. And you see over on one side, there's like some secondary engine controls. And far on the other side is a big old bay door that moves further off into the rocket. We need to seal the hole before we take off. We'd hate for this thing to go down once we're in space. We got it. And I'm going to pull out my auger drill. I'm just going to shove it back in and plug the hole with my auger arm. So you're just going to hang out here the whole time that you're in zero atmosphere. Free spin. That's very noble of you. But I think if we just get like a sheet of sheet metal and just put it over the hole, I think space will do the rest. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Completely logical. <laughs> Thanks. I'm not known for my logic. And I just grab out one of my blades and just like chop one of the boxes in half, like the metal boxes clean through to try and like create this somewhat squarish shape to put over the hole. All right. So with a big clanging and slashing noise, yep. you grab this piece of metal and as you're fixing it over the hole, you hear the sound of little wheels kind of squeaking up towards you and a radiator turns the corner from the nearest crate <laughs> and looks up and sees all of you and goes, oh, 
Oh, uh, Scorchguard, uh, hi, how's it going? It's been a while. And you look down and see Emberglow, uh, named after Emberglow Treasures on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. An old acquaintance of yours who apparently is now working on this rocket. Also a really good Transformer name, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Emberglow. Oh boy, am I glad to see you. Quick, help me put this up to patch the hole. Uh, well, I, I'm just not entirely sure how you even got on this rocket in the first place. I mean, you're not authorized personnel here. <laughs> Emberglow, this is no time to be funny. We're about to take off, and this is gonna suck us out into the vacuous hole of space if we don't get it over this hole. Uh, that's a really good point. Okay, uh, give me just a second. And Emberglow starts to transform into their robot form. You notice that Emberglow has this sort of welding torch at the end of her fingers and starts TIG welding the sheet of metal down to the hole that you just drilled in the side. Emberglow, you've been upgraded. That's impressive. You see that the metal underneath her eyes glows redder than it did before. <laughs> and she goes, oh yeah, well, I, I didn't think that you would notice. Um, it It's just a, a little thing. Uh, it came with the new job, you know? As she's talking behind her, she hears as my little feet come up and I'm just like heavily breathing behind her. Was that you I heard whistling and humming? Uh, oh, yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm, I'm not a very good whistler or a very good hummer. I just kind of, you know, to pass the time while I'm in here by myself. I don't think you should continue to try to make music. Oh, oh okay. Free okay, spin. Yeah, I'll, I'll That's stop. incredibly rude. Is it? I think you should back away and keep those thoughts to yourself next time. I will keep these thoughts among ourselves. And I'm going to back up. Emberglow, I apologize for him. We appreciate your help. Oh, well, you know, it's it's nice to hear that somebody does. You know, I, I've been working on this ship for a while, but they just kind of leave me down here in the cargo hold, and I don't really get to talk to the, the big people up on top about what this rocket's even for, really. So, I mean, it, it's just, it's a job. They give me energon for it. So that means you won't be able to tell anyone we were here. Oh, yeah, yes, of course. Um, I mean, they, they don't really come down to talk to me as long as the cargo gets where it needs to be going. So they, they, don't, they don't bother with me. Perfect. And I'm going to open a thing of cargo and jump inside and close the lid. Elberglow, <laughs> really appreciate your help. And I'm sorry for free spin. They've been... A little strange since they've had to transfer their consciousness into another dead Autobot, but they'll come around. Um, you say you don't know where this rocket's going? Well, uh, it's going in the same place that uh, Optimus and all of the others went. I know that for sure. Perfect. Um, but I, I don't actually <laughs> rightly know where that is going to be. Well, Emberglow, I'm here to tell you. We're going to Optimus, and they're at Earth. Oh, cool. That, that sounds like fun. That sounds like a really good plan. And you hear from those big bay doors a knocking noise coming from the other side. And Emberglow kind of gives a little leap and goes, oh, um, oh goodness, of course, the the one time I have visitors that aren't supposed to be here, so somebody shows up to check on me. Uh, you should get in another one of the crates real quick. Quick, quick, quick. Okay. I try to transform into my ceiling fan after I open one of these larger crates and fit myself in. And I would like to take my little feet and run over to a box and he cut that big crate in half so I'm going to rip off a piece of metal and I'm going to get inside the crate and start chipping away at the metal to create a little shape. All right. 
So you all hide inside of your respective crates and you hear Ember Glow's little radiator wheels as she moves up to the door and there's a pneumatic hissing noise as the door opens up. And as you're like peering out through the lids of your crates, you see this figure wreathed in dry ice fog and lit from the back with a laser light show. Yeah. Begins walking into the space and as it steps out of the dry ice, you see not metallic features, but smooth, fleshy features as a human comes walking into the cargo hold. What? What is that thing? It's disgusting. And Emberglow looks up at the new visitor and says, uh, Hello, Master Phillips. Uh, it's It's been a while since you've come to talk to me. That is named after Eric Jordan Phillips on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, Eric. <laughs> and Master Phillips looks down at Emberglow and says, Ah, uh, yes, of course. I'm just trying to make sure that nothing unsavory is happening here. We got a notification of a bit of a hull breach up in the control room. Just want to make sure that we're not going to get sucked into the vacuous hole of space in the middle of our flight. <laughs> and she goes, oh, yes, there there was a hole in the hull, but I went in and I, I welded it shut. And she holds up her little welding torch hand. It's a good thing you gave me that upgrade, right? And he goes, ah, yes, of course. I do not regret it in the slightest. And he is not even looking at Emberglow, is just peering around the room. And he's going to try and roll with Clever to see if he notices anybody. Let's get a group sneaky check from you guys. Oh, no. What is everybody's sneaky approach? Zero. Zero. Plus one, I believe. Okay. <laughs> so the way that group checks works, person who has the highest score in that approach can do the roll. Oh, wait. Mine's zero, too. Sorry. <laughs> oh, cool. A three-way tie for zero. <laughs> All right. This is the least sneaky group that we have had on the show. Well, I'm just super fascinated with this human. I go... Ah, oh, that's who Optimus is trying to save, and who Dagger was supposedly built for. At least our entire storyline doesn't revolve around one giant stealth mission. <laughs> so, with this in mind, I'm going to maybe not go with the fate way of doing a group check and go with more of the D&D approach, where if half of you succeed, then the entire group succeeds. So, everybody, roll a sneaky check, and Master Phillips is going to roll with Clever. Sneaky! Christian's face. I got a minus one. I got a minus two. <laughs> I got a plus one. Okay. So, Scorchguard, you're like muttering to your friends and you guys are just like responding, talking back and forth with him. Ned, can I use this as an opportunity since we rolled poorly to invoke my trouble and get an extra fate point? Yes. Inconsistent buzz. My blade while we're hiding starts and it starts like cutting through my own crate as I'm like sticking my nose out Ooh. through the gap. <laughs> And it starts cutting down the side of the crate I'm inside of. All right, yeah. Go ahead and take a fate point for that compel. As starts going on, Master Phillips looks over at the crate that you're in, and Ember Glow goes, Oh, uh, I'm sorry, we've had some unruly cargo lately. And Master Phillips goes, Unruly cargo, you say? That does not sound suspicious in the slightest, my dear. Give me just a moment. I'm going to transform into my bread knife. <laughs> and you hear the clicking of those very finely polished boots walking across the cargo bay towards you. And Master Phillips kneels down and looks at the gash in the side of the crate. And Dagger, you look up and you can see his eye looming outside. And he steps up and puts his hands behind his back and begins walking around among the crates and says, Now, Emberglow, I don't think I've ever told you what these trips are about, have I? 
And she goes, uh, no, you, you haven't, sir. I, I just get paid to be here. Mm, yes, of course. At this point, he's stepped over to the crate that Scorchguard is inside of. And you're like kind of peering up. The lid is just so ever slightly cracked so that you can look through. And his hand comes and rests on top of the lid and shoves you down underneath as it closes. And he puts his weight down as he kind of leans casually against the crate and says, Emberglow, you might have noticed that none of the people that we transport off world ever end up coming back. Don't you think that is strange? And she goes, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe just a little bit, but I mean, I keep coming back because I work on the rocket, <laughs> right? And he goes, ah, yes, of course. This is the last flight of this rocket. And he begins walking over to the crate that Free Spin is inside of. And he just like hops up on top and sits on the crate. And you see his legs like dangling outside of the big hole in the side. Like he knows that he's sitting on top of half a crate. <laughs> and you can see his legs dangling outside. He's just kind of swaying them jollily. And he says, Emberglow, you have done wonderful work for us. I'm afraid we are probably going to have to retire you soon. We will take one last trip, and don't you worry. You will get to stay on the new planet, and everything is going to be just fine. And she goes, okay, yeah, that sounds kind of nice. I could get, like, a retirement package. Insight check. <laughs> Insight, go and roll to overcome with clever. Hmm, I'm so clever. I actually am all right at being clever. <laughs> that was the plus two. Oh, wow. All right, we'll see how Master Phillips does with sneaky. He gets a plus three. Man, this is an upstanding human. Um, I have taken a little piece of metal that I've ripped off of the box and I've kind of broken it and cut it and drilled into it to make it look like a little humanoid shape. And I'm going to hold it up next to my face and I'm going to say, hello, new mother. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what should we do about this? Oh. And I'm going to hold it to my ear and then just go, Mmm, yes. I'm upset. And Master Phillips, as he hears this muttering coming from the crate that he's sitting on top of, he just kind of hops off. You hear the click of those heels once more on the metal floor. And he says, Well, Emberglow, you should feel grateful to all of the Transformers who get to stay here on Cybertron. It is a dying planet, to be certain. But there are things to be grateful for. Let me put it that way. And he begins walking out of the cargo bay and Emberglow says, uh, you're being really cryptic, sir. <laughs> and he turns around and says, yes, that's my job. <laughs> and Master Phillips pushes the button outside the cargo bay and the big door closes and slams shut. And all of the floodlights in the ceiling go out and there's only just like a couple bare bulbs that are casting this very eerie, very dim light over the place. Hmm, that seems really interesting. Emberglow, don't you normally have light for the flight? Uh, normally, yes. Uh, but it seems like Master Phillips is trying to make a point for some reason. <laughs> hmm, he is pretty upstanding, but maybe the mechanical work in here isn't as great as he thought it was. This is quite suspicious. Yeah, maybe I'll, I can go check with the, uh, computer's onboard AI, you know, see if maybe Searsy knows anything about what's going on. <laughs> Goes over and hits a couple buttons on the console and a little mechanical face pops up like a little emoji not even emoji face but like an old emoticon style face where it's just like the keyboard characters and it says hello emberglow how are you doing today <laughs> and she goes uh hey seriously it's good to talk to you again this artificial intelligence named after michael sear on twitter yeah the one who suggested we do transformers in the first place and Searsy says, Emberglow, it seems that you are very troubled. What is wrong? 
And Ember Glow says, oh, well, Master Phillips was just in here being very cryptic about stuff. And normally we have light for the flight and I don't really know what's going on. And Searsy says, oh yes, we are being decommissioned after this flight. This is the last one leaving Cybertron. Decommissioned? But we're, they're gonna come back eventually, right? Oh no, I am afraid not. But what about all the other people? Yeah, what about all the other Autobots? Yeah, what's a, what's a people? <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, Cybertron is going to be left fallow. It is going to turn into just a cold hunk of rock in space. But, but, but what about Optimus? Isn't he trying to bring back help to reinvigorate Cybertron? Well, that was the plan originally. However, Master Phillips and the others have a different plan for your friends. Just who is this Master Phillips character anyway? Why, Master Phillips owns the fighting pits on the planet Earth. What? Is it? What? <laughs> you see, the Transformers who remain on Cybertron, they may end up stuck frozen in the vacuous hole of space for the rest of eternity, but they are the lucky ones. The ones who end up on Earth are forced to fight for Master Phillips' amusement. But Prime would never have allowed that. Wh what do you mean? And I get over and I start grab like the sides of the computer and I just start <laughs> shaking it violently. Prime did not know. Prime was tricked. Prime was tricked. Master Phillips is not alone. He has help from the inside. Are you familiar with the name Megatron? My oil starts to bubble. Megatron? He's behind all of this? From inside my half crate, I start twitching and hold up my little mother to my face again and say, Yes, mother, you are right. I would like to use my stunt cracked. The other mind cracking in a little bit more at the mention of Megatron. Hmm, this is going to be interesting. How are we going to make this work? So this is Christian saying, I would like to use my stunt to purposely become the villain in this campaign. <laughs> Not the villain. <laughs> yeah, I'll say the Decepticon side of you can roll with Sneaky, let's say. And the Autobot side of you can roll with Forceful to try and push off the attempt. All right, first roll. That is a plus three. The second roll, that is a minus two. Wow. Well, that is five shifts of difference. Wow. That is what they say in the biz, success with style. For the bad side? Yep. So that wasn't just like the other side cracked at the mention. That was like your sleeper agent code word. Megatron, activate. You all hear a little pinging noise coming from inside of Freespin's crate as the Decepticon side of him successfully chloroforms the Autobot side of him. <laughs> so at this point, the Freespin that you once knew is essentially out of commission. I am going to rush over to Scorchguard as he's screaming about Megatron and like grab his shoulders and Scorchguard, Scorchguard, you've got to snap out of it. There's only one way we can beat Megatron and it's not by panicking. And you're a tiny dagger, right? Shaking my shoulders. <laughs> yeah, I'm dangling off the floor <laughs> with both hands on your shoulder. Oh man. I'm just like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> just violently being shook back and forth. We've got to work together as a team to take him down. You're right, Dagger. You, me, Freespin. We can take down Megatron. We can free Optimus Prime. Isn't that right, Freespin? And I look over as you scuttle towards us. That is correct. So says Mother. Ha! You and your mother. Thanks, Freespin. I'm so glad we could count on you. 
Emberglow, we may need your help before all this is done. Not just for us, but for Optimus. Oh, uh, this is all terribly new to me. I'm not really sure uh, this isn't what I signed up for, but if the fate of all of Cybertron rests in our little metal hands, then I suppose we should all try and do our best to help out. That's the spirit, Emberglow. You are a treasure to me. <laughs> I'll give you a fake point for that. Yeah! I love the shock in your own face. Like, apparently, I care deeply about this individual. Yeah. For anybody who's uh, only listening, which is all of you, genuine shock on my face being like, oh. I'm imagining that's actually how your courting of your wife went the entire time. I love you, honey. Oh, oh, I, I didn't know that. Like me, Thomas, in real life. Yeah, pretty accurate. <laughs> Um, question. Do we have FTL? Or I, I haven't done as much research as you have, but is this trip going to take us hundreds of years? Oh, no. This trip is going to be very fast because Transformers definitely have some sort of special rocket propulsion, as we determined during the first episode of this campaign. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thematically appropriate space travel. I don't know what the uh, special term would be in the Transformers universe, so it probably wouldn't be like FTL or ludicrous speed or anything like that. <laughs> we'll just call it Bay speed. Yeah. Bay speed. Bayhem. And as you guys are kind of finishing up your little heart to heart here, you see the screen that Searzy's face is displaying on goes from blue to red and klaxons start blaring. And Searzy says, Bay speed in five, four, three, two, one. And the ship instantly goes zero to Mach 10 in one <laughs> second, just shoots off of the ground faster than it has any right to. And you are all shooting through space at base speed towards the Earth. Whoa! I imagine basic laws of physics still are in effect. So G-forces pull me back to the wall and I'm like, this is incredible. I just like slam to the floor. My knife nose just like pierces another hole in the floor and just like, glues my face to it. <laughs> I'm still holding on to uh, the computer on the wall, so my feet are like dangling in the air behind me. <laughs> and after a while, Searzy says, artificial gravity engaging, and you're able to overcome the G-forces, and gravity kind of goes back to normal as it was before you took off. Can someone bring me a piece of scrap metal? I'm gonna need to cover this hole as soon as I pull my nose out. <laughs> sure thing. And I pop out my little friend Lockfire to go bring a little piece of scrap metal over over to Dagger. I walk up to Lockfire and I hand him Mother. And Lockfire looks up at you with the most suspicious eyes you've ever seen a robot make, grabs Mother, and goes kind of scuttling over on those little robot insect legs towards Dagger. Isn't really taking his eyes off of you the entire time, but holds Mother right next to Dagger's nose and says, all right, we'll swap on three. One, two, three. And I pull my nose up. And he slides it over. Mother sticks to the floor and Emberglow comes up and TIG welds Mother over the hole. <laughs> Is that a new sentence? That might be a new sentence. <laughs> and Lockfire does a couple little leaps and gets up onto Scorchguard's shoulder and he says... Have you not noticed that Freespin is acting particularly strangely, Scorchguard? Well, wouldn't you feel strange if your mind just got transferred to a dead Autobot? As he's saying this, I'm scuttling over to a crate and I'm using my auger to like bang on it to try and make different notes to try and play some music. Lockfire's eyes narrow even more and he says, You're right, Scorchguard, it's probably nothing. <laughs> <laughs> So we have artificial gravity. How much longer is this trip going to take? Uh, this trip is going to take three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> well, let's have a heart-to-heart as we sit in a circle, wait for us to get to Earth. Three minutes is not a long time. It's almost as long as the song The Touch. <laughs> By Stan Bush. By Stan Bush, believe it or not. The very one. <laughs> so, yeah, you guys kind of huddle around on the floor like cross-legged style for your little heart-to-heart. Scorchguard, what are your words of wisdom that you have for your friends here? All right, everybody. When we get to Earth, it seems like this nasty human has some ulterior motives for all these Autobots. Optimus Prime has been trapped. Megatron has tricked him and all the other Autobots. There's going to be some fighting pits. And looking around here, I'm not confident that we could cut our way through everybody and get right to Megatron and take him out. Rude. <laughs> so I suspect we'll have to play a little bit of the game here to make sure that we get close before we can fully release Optimus from whatever fate has befallen him. Cybertron knows that I wish Optimus were here with us, but by the all-spark, we will free him from whatever ghastly punishment Megatron has seen to fix upon him. While you're in the middle of your monologue, Lockfire has gone over to Dagger and is like patting you on the shoulder-ish area of your handle. <laughs> and it's like, don't worry, you can cut anything. But he just said I couldn't. <laughs> that Scorchguard had faith in me. I'm too caught up like in the moment to, to even like hear whatever they're saying to me. <laughs> and Lockfire looks over at Freespin once more and says, what was that they said about one bad apple spoiling the whole bunch? And his eyes narrow even further. <laughs> so they're practically closed. <laughs> practically closed. Just like the barest sliver of light peeking out through them. But I know if we stick together and we rise the ranks. This is just a really long speech because I'm trying to emulate Optimus as much as I possibly can. And as soon as like we come out of bay speed, I just yell. Autobots, roll forward until our, we reach our goal. And at that point, slam as the rocket goes from Mach 10 to zero in about one second. And you're all kind of <laughs> plastered against the floor for a little bit. And Emberglow comes over and kind of peels you up out of the dents that you've left in the floor of the rocket. And she says, okay, well, I'm pretty sure that uh, Master Phillips is going to come back here pretty quickly to check on the cargo. If you guys want to try and escape before he sees you, now's your chance. I grab the auger and without even like asking it, I just take free spin and start augering the floor. <laughs> yep, I was gonna, as soon as that happened, I was gonna go over to where we initially entered and just like re spin. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, because he grabbed me, I can't get a good angle, and so the drill bit sticks in but my body is the thing that's spinning, not the drill that he's holding onto. So he and I are just spinning until I can get a good foothold. Yeah, dagger being what, like 1 50th of the size of this auger? Yeah. yeah, I'm like, I'm just holding on feet out like a dad playing with his child and I'm just spinning. If you put me down for a moment, I can do this a little quicker. I will never let go. And I slip off and fly into a wall. <laughs> and as you go flying, Lockfire is standing nearby and he says, Yes, you should never let go. That's what teamwork is all about, isn't it, Free Spin? I stop spinning, and my eyes turn towards him, and they go from their usual just white light to like a sort of pink, almost red. That is right. 
and then I look forward again, plant my feet, and drill through the wall. And as you finish drilling the hole, you hear those footsteps, those clicking heels coming down the hallway outside the door, and Emberglow says, Oh boy, we better get out of here. Quick, quick, quick. Emberglow, quick, come here. And I just grab Emberglow, and we run towards the hole, and uh, as soon as it's free, I jump out. So you all leap through the hole, and you find yourselves on the blasted wastes of the planet Earth. (sighs) Not an Earth as we know it, those of us who are living here currently, but one that has gone through some pretty rough times. (laughs) This looks like there's been a nuclear fallout here. I expected a lot more when I heard stories of Earth. Yeah, you expected these verdant expanses, green trees, blue skies, birds fluttering around, but instead you see some situational aspects that we're going to create for the planet Earth and the fighting pit thereupon. Let's set the scene here. Let's start with Christian. What's something that you see here on the blasted planet Earth? Um, I imagine that Autobots also need, like, oil and stuff. So there are just massive holes and, like, almost craters pocking the face of the Earth everywhere with just straight-up geysers of oil and crude gasoline either just shooting into the air or, like, lit on fire and just fire everywhere, smoke, lots of oil and gas just flowing freely. Like, like honey and milk in the land of promise. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to call this aspect like Yellowstone, but stinkier. (laughs) Go ahead and roll unmodified against a difficulty of zero. Plus one. All right, that is one free invoke you guys get on this aspect. I don't mean to distract, but I googled oil in Transformers, and it's basically their alcohol. Oh, (laughs) yes! Yes! (laughs) Just what a Decepticon would go for. There's a picture of a drunk Transformer, and the caption says, oil is a social lubricant. (laughs) Wow. That's pretty good. Let's go over to Scorchguard. What is something that you see here on Earth? I look across the landscape and see all the oil, this disgusting resource. As I sorrowfully look over to the closest city, a lot of the skyscrapers seem to be broken down, leaning to the side, just faint wisp trails of smoke in the air. With it being so arid, I just sigh and look down to the ground. And just the cities seem destroyed, seem not abandoned, but just non-functional now. At least not how we were told it would be. I'm going to call this aspect the downfall of us all. Ooh, I like that. Go ahead and roll unmodified against difficulty of zero. Plus one. All right. Also a free invoke for this aspect. This uh, implication that, you know, there once was a civilization here that has been destroyed, but maybe there's still something in that wreckage. You guys are scavengers. You know how to pluck the good stuff out of the garbage. And let's go over to Dagger. What is something that you see here? I see lines and lines of Decepticons, maybe some people that stretch seemingly almost for miles to be part of the audience at the fighting pits. Um, I see this mass of people and Decepticons all trying to get in. Yeah, I will call this aspect the teeming masses. Though this is a fallen planet, there are still a lot of individuals here, and the fact that they're all so excited to watch these robot fights might tell you a little bit of something about the current culture of the planet Earth. Uh, Go ahead and roll to see how many invokes you might get. 
That is a plus one. Hey. Three plus ones. Hooray. That's the number of the night. That it is. And you see that these lines of people are moving towards what appears to be a large arena that is built in the middle of this decimated city. Amongst all of the broken and crumbled skyscrapers, somebody has taken a bunch of the scrap pieces of these buildings and turned it into a veritable coliseum in the middle of this twisted landscape. And you see dry ice smoke and laser lights shooting (laughs) up into the air from inside of the coliseum. Yes! And you hear music coming from that direction. You hear shouting. Every so often there will be like a massive group cheer that erupts from that direction and then every so often there will be a massive group groan or a boo and you see these people trying desperately to get into this coliseum to see what's going on on the inside Ugh. when I was growing up on Cybertron we would have never let something like this happen I mean come on we always knew they were bad guys but we would have never let it get to this when I was a kid well it's not like the good old days dagger as I stare off to the distance and see those fighting pits and sigh and as I unconsciously reach for one of my fan blades go it looks like we're in for the fight of our lives and i think that sounds like a very good dramatic place for us to pick up (laughs) next time everybody welcome to earth such a delightful place is it not oh is it not i thought we were gonna be like in fallout back (laughs) and we would just see like this massive godzilla creature stomping (laughs) through the outback we'll say that this is a several decades sequel to fallout back after the nuclear apocalypse has happened (laughs) we didn't know it but the nuclear apocalypse wasn't justin trudeau it was the arrival of the decepticons surprise (laughs) trudeau was framed Oh I want that God. on a t-shirt. <laughs> That's why he didn't want to say sorry about it. Hey. It wasn't his fault. <laughs> anyway, everybody go listen to Fallout Back, our very second campaign that we did here. Evan was in that one. Lots of fun. Which uh, sounds like maybe it's time to veer into some plugs. But first, I got a script to get through. So thanks, everybody, for <laughs> listening to Improv Tabletop. We'll be back next week with the thrilling conclusion of our adventures in the world of Transformer Rejects. If you want more, go and subscribe. Maybe even give us a review. We would be as happy as a radiator transformer who is getting some approval and praise from her crush (laughs) if you would go ahead and give us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. We're also all over social media at Improv Tabletop. So if you'd like to suggest either a setting for us to play in or an aspect for one of our characters to use, you can tweet about us or comment on one of our posts using hashtag ImpTab setting or hashtag ImpTab aspect. Now let's do a round of plugs. As always, we've got a sister podcast, but I'm not going to steal Thomas's thunder this time. <gasps> I've been doing that for like a month and a half. I'm going to let him take care of that. <laughs> we got a sister podcast of I Cast Fireball, an actual play 5e D&D adventure where we go through the campaign Tyranny of Dragons. We have some super fun stuff going on. Ned is a player in there. We've got a few maybe surprise guest appearances in some previous episodes and possibly in some upcoming episodes. Stay tuned for that. It's a lot of fun. I'm the Dungeon Master. Ned's a player. And it's a ton of fun if you want an ongoing D&D campaign to follow. Indeed. And aside from that, we also have another campaign that's on this same feed. It is our Avatar Legends campaign that Christian's part of. Good stuff's going on there. Really fun system, really fun world, and a lot of fun to try and contribute our story to the Avatarverse. The other thing that I would like to plug this week is a book called The Lazy Dungeon Master by Mike Shea, also known as Sly Flourish. 
there was a bundle of holding that had a bunch of his books in there. Thomas and I were both in on that. Evan Christian, I don't know if either of you got in on that. I really wish you had told me about that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Thomas and I are doing a book club reading through this book, and you two are invited, maybe? I haven't consulted with Thomas about this, so we're going to do it live on the yes, podcast. Yes, invited, of it's course. It's fine. I already read it on my own two weeks ago, so. Oh, exciting. <laughs> also, are you reading the Lazy Dungeon Master or Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master? The Lazy Dungeon Master. The original one, yeah. It's uh, the name I'd say maybe paints it in a bit of a an unfortunate light in terms of like, yes, it's about techniques to make it so you don't have to do as much work, but it also explains the benefits of not like overcomplicating things, the benefits of giving yourself constraints, focusing your energy in the places where it matters most for your campaign. I haven't gotten super far into it yet, but even just like the first sections I've been going through, it's like, yes, this is great. Ties in with a lot of the stuff that I learned in like my graphic design classes in college, stuff that we learned in our improv group, experiences that I've seen at the table. So The Lazy Dungeon Master by Mike Shea, go check that out. It's a pretty darn good book. Christian, is there anything that you would like to plug? Yes. This week, I'm going to do a bit of a selfish plug. going to go ahead and plug a board game of my own design mm. titled You Meet in a Tavern. Choose from one of four pre-written adventures or make your own. Explore a dungeon with a group of three to four friends and see if you can make it to the end and defeat the boss, collecting the loot and returning a hero. Coming to a game store near you within the next... 10 to 20 years. <laughs> yes, I was just about to ask, where can our listeners find this wonderful game that you are describing? You're just giving up that IP right away. <laughs> no, it, we mentioned it first on this podcast, so it's TM, TM, TM. Yeah, Nobody total else can TM, take it. TM, 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 TM. Within 10 to 20 years. <laughs> Within 10 to 20 years. Right now it is still paper and a file on my computer. It is. I, I, we're joking, but it is. I've seen the file. He shared it with us, and it is a very promising concept. It will be much fun. Yeah, well, maybe the amount of time that it takes for us to get this into production might depend on our audience, perhaps. How interested they are. Yeah, you know, maybe if we get enough interest in starting a Patreon, for example, maybe that can be like one of our tiers. That would be awesome. You can uh, get access to like playtest versions of this game. Early access? I've got an RPG in my mind, a deck building TTRPG that I've had for a while. I'm sure that Thomas has plenty of games floating around in that <laughs> noggin of his. <laughs> yeah, I know. We've we've kind of joked about having a Patreon in the past, but for real, I think it would be so awesome if we could start a Patreon someday. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, if people are interested in it or not. Yeah. But we'd love to, you know, make more content for you guys if that's something you're interested in. You know what? Reach out to us. Let us know. Let us know if you think a Patreon would be a good idea for this show. Agreed. And then in 10 to 20 years, you too <laughs> can kickstart You Meet in a Tavern. Thomas, is there anything that you would like to plug? Uh, other than our sister podcast, just um, learning new stuff. I recently was blessed with a 3D printer and uh, looking up all that stuff in that world. There is a lot of technical stuff to be had there. And uh, I'm real excited to jump into it. And uh, in addition to reading the Lazy DM, just a lot of things going on. So just go out, be creative, make mistakes. There you go. And Evan, is there anything that you would like to plug? 
Yeah, I would like to plug uh, Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master by Sly Flourish. <laughs> it's the uh, updated, more current version of his book that you can read all on your own without friends. <laughs> and it's totally worth purchasing on its own, just in case you're not aware of any deals because someone failed to tell you about a bundle, maybe. Ah, oh, man, I just took a drink of my water and it is so salty. Why is it so salty? I, uh, I read this book. He lays out... I'm I'm not sure how the first one's structured, I'll be honest, but this one, he lays it out as a checklist. Like these eight items should be on your prep checklist. And I made a little like template, which I would offer to like share somewhere, but it's his book. And I'm not sure if there's like, I, I don't really understand the legality of like me sharing something that's his work, but I made my own little template in Google Docs that I'm using for each of my sessions. And I'll say, uh, not to let my own players in this group call here behind the curtain too much, but a few weeks weeks ago, a few sessions ago, I should say, we had one session which from my side of the DM screen felt like the worst session I'd ever done. I was very unhappy with it. It just did not go according to plan. It was ill-prepared. It was a lot of improv that ended up doing things I didn't want to do. I read this book. I used the checklist. And our last two sessions have been two of my favorite sessions I've run. Yeah, like Ned said, it just I know we're kind of like all plugging this book, but I was kind of already planning to before Ned plugged it. Um, it's <laughs> just a very good book. It has helped me a lot as a relatively new DM to uh, get my campaign in a place that feels really good now. Nice. Yeah, thanks for the recommendation. Uh, it was also part of the bundle of holding. I'm looking at it on my iPad right now, so I'm sure that I'll give this one a read after we finish uh, the original Lazy Dungeon Master. I'll also plug uh, I Cast Fireball. I've actually been on every single episode. I just haven't found the right time to jump in yet. So. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us here in the world of Transformer Rejects. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and I've been joined by... Christian Randall, Deceptive. Thomas, hoping to be lazy. Evan Peterson, succeeding at being lazy. <laughs> Much love and stuff, everybody. We'll catch you next time on Improv Tabletop. That was like your sleeper agent code word. Megatron, activate. You sound like a Dalek. Yeah. Exterminate. Sorry.